we sent him an email. We said, uh, hey, just wanted to blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, if, if you read the Milk Road and you like it, like, just respond with, like, whatever. Hello. You know, just, Tell me uh, where you're like, hey, you're a subscriber whatever. to the Milk Road. Where do you live? Guess how many replies we got? I have no idea. I think we literally got three replies. Out of and how many sends? There was maybe, like, I don't know, I want to say, like, 20,000 or something like that. Like, 20,000 like, and three replied? Yeah. I feel like I can rule the world. I know I could be what I want to. Uh, I put my all in it like no days off. On a road, let's travel, never looking back. Dude, according to the YouTube data, by the end of this sentence, half the audience will have dropped off. That's how content goes nowadays. <laughs> you have like 4.2 4. seconds to hook everybody. <laughs> is that true? It was Is it really that short? I thought it no, was I'm like... Joking, but it, it is like that. I mean, like after somebody clicks play... You just see the rec- the curve start to go Space Mountain downwards, and then uh, and then it flattens out. But are you insane. looking at the data? Like I, I I rarely log in. You just let it flash the camera in the first five seconds every every time. So there we go. You know how like there's a joke about news anchors wearing like uh, shorts with me. It's the sleeveless t shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going jacket sleeveless tee, baby. How's that for flashing? <laughs> <laughs> i mean i don't even know what you're prepared for you're like i can go outside it can rain i can yeah. become a doctor for a minute i can work out i can climb a mountain <laughs> you well, are it's, dressed for it's success a, it's 107 degrees in austin today and so insane, i'm yeah. either shirtless or sleeveless tea most of the time when i record i gotta put the jacket on so i look a little professional dude i've been trying to convince ben to move to california from Austin. And I originally pegged it at a 15% chance. What's what's it at now? Oh, I think we're like up to 50. I think we've made serious headway. Now I put in all this work. What I needed to do was just wait for summer. Just smoke them out, right? All I had to do was just smoke them out. I don't know if I ever told you this. I once was doing a deal that required us to negotiate with a company called PetroChina. PetroChina is basically like ExxonMobil, but it's owned by the government in China. And so we go to this and they're like the big, they're like, you know, huge company, but it's owned by the government. So nobody knows how much it's worth, all that stuff, but it's mega powerful oil and gas company in China. So we go and we're supposed to negotiate this deal. And I, I I kid you not, they just, they did the opposite of smoking us out or sweating us out. They just froze us out. They put us in a room that was like just cold as hell. And there was no way out. Like first getting to the room was like a 20 minute walk, like a, like a passage, like going through this labyrinth of doors and we get to this room we're in they're like they'll be with you soon and then they leave and seven hours pass and we're sitting in this room and i'm like hey i think they forgot about us and we got to go talk to somebody and then i tried to stand up and immediately an arm like puts me back in the chair they're like no 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 this is part of doing business to, to freeze you just to, yeah just to make it uncomfortable and they were like you show no weakness here we just sit There's this uh, (laughs) urban myth, I don't know if it's true or not, where Steve Cohen, uh, you know, one of the guys who apparently is based off of uh, his billions characters based off of him, Steve Cohen, rich guy, owns the Mets, where the reason why Patagonia vests are popular on Wall Street is he used to make his office freezing. So when the SEC regulars would come in, they were really uncomfortable and everyone knew. They didn't want to stay. Yeah, they didn't want to (laughs) stay. But so apparently it works. Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. There's no secret formula for customer service, but 
there is an all-new service hub from HubSpot, and it's bringing service and support together in one platform so you can deliver the best experiences possible. You can free up your customer support reps' time with an AI-powered help desk, so you can easily support and grow your customer base. The secret's out. Service hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com slash service to learn more. Dude, I mean, my Costco has a walk-in freezer where you go get, like, our fr- walk-in fridge, where you, but it's a room. It's a giant room where you go get vegetables. That thing is so uncomfortable. I mean, it's like whatever's the nearest vegetable, that's all I'm getting, and then I'm getting out of there. So I, I definitely believe it. If I was the SEC, I would, I would get the fuck out of there. I forgot to ask you this. So in, uh, <laughs> right now, so basically in 2017, I wrote this ad for The Hustle, and it was, <laughs> my boss thinks I'm smart, parentheses, I'm not. It's because I read The Hustle, and he has no idea that it exists dash a reader of the hustle and that was like our ad on facebook on twitter i see that ad everywhere for every newsletter for every like ai where it was like my boss thinks i know about ai i don't the reason i well, what happened is you did it morning brew then did it so they copied did they you. do it that's yeah, morning brew has been running an ad like that for, for a long time um so you if you've seen those ads you're like oh good idea i'll copy that then the other thing was uh, Facebook launched an ad library. So now you can go see other companies' ads. So you can just go and look what, ad, what ads are they running. Google launched an ad library. TikTok now launched an ad library. So you can go see anyone's TikTok ads too. And then you've talked about that ad on the podcast. And I noticed after, the, after you said it on the podcast, then people started running it. Then there's also a guy who worked for you, who worked for, for us at, at Milk Road, who then goes and he's pitching up. He's basically going and telling every newsletter company I'm the key to the growth of the hustle of Milk Road of every fucking newsletter company. I did it. I'm the best. Um, I could tell you exactly what they did. And um, I don't know about you for the hustle, but for us, I'm like, this guy is massively overstating what he did. But like, whatever. I I mean, I guess we were already in the we already had a million subscribers. But uh, yeah, I mean, and I didn't work closely with him, but I'm uh, I'm sure. He's great. I just, uh, we were a I'm bit, not saying we he's were, bad at his job, but he is definitely overselling. And he is, people will come to me and they'll be like, um, hey, I just wanted to get a quick reference check. This guy basically, like he does a presentation, a sales deck that just says like, I did everything for Milk Road. <laughs> like I, I figured it all out. I did all these things. And like, is that legit? And I'm like, no. And, and actually, the funny thing is, I think in the short term that helped him. In the long term that hurt him because two very big names have come to me. And they said, hey, I'm thinking about hiring this guy. Sounds like he did great work for you guys. Just want to do a quick pulse check. Like, um, thumbs up, thumbs down. Would you recommend? And I was like, I wish I could say yes, but like, no, for these two reasons. One, he's overstating what he did. If he just said what he did, it would have been fine. Uh, Two, when we sold the company, he went and put up a Twitter thread saying like, hey, Milk Road sold. And here's all the things that they do to, to grow. And we asked him, we were like, hey, man, can you take that down? Like, we're still running as a business. Like, you can't just, you shouldn't just, like, you're a you're a service provider. You're, you're a contractor for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're a client of yours. We never said. So you, and you want you some confidentiality. Go, you should never go publish all of your clients' things. Or it, it's not actually all, but, like, we don't want any of this stuff out there. Right. And, um, and he's like, no, I got to get mine, too, from the sale. And I'm like, what? Like, dude, I'm asking you to take this down. Are you really going to, like, your client? Is so it was down, never deleted? Like, and he was, he tried to say no again. And I was like, wow, like, Jesus, that is like insanely unprofessional to do that. Um, in my opinion, at least. And, uh, you know, so whatever he did delete it after that, after I was like, wow, are you like, are you serious? This is actually the stance you're going to take. That's an insane stance to take. 
Yeah, and I don't so, like when people talk about two two really yeah. big names that I think would have been like way bigger than the hustle, way bigger than Milk Road. We're gonna work with them. Have asked me, and I'm like, I can't. I'm just gonna tell you what my experience was. You decide. And they're like, Oh no, we would not want to work with somebody who does that. And I was like, Damn, like the short term benefit yeah, that hurts. leads to long term loss. Unfortunately, like you know, that, that's the the irony of of doing stuff like that. And I've done stuff like that too, where I make a short term short term good decision that actually costs me in the long run, but it's hard to see in the moment, you know? So it's, it's, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's an expensive lesson. But my question was, were you running this ad and did it still work up until we sold? It was still working. We didn't run that ad. We didn't run my boss things and whatever. Um, we did, I think, try a version of like, my friends think I'm, uh, you know, like whatever. My friends think I, I know everything about crypto. What they don't know is that I just read the milk road every morning. Um, something like that. I think we ran that, but those weren't high perform. Like that wasn't the highest performer or other, we had other stuff that was better performers, but, um, in general, Dude, that was more, our best one. The- more than 50% of our subscribers were organic. So it doesn't like, you know, you, you know, uh, the, if more than 50% of your growth comes organic, then that, that means it's the content that's le- the content, the brand. Dude, I've talked to so it. many of these new newsletter guys and they're all doing. So when we, <laughs> When we started the hustle, like up into uh, hundreds of thousands were organic. And then we like learned, I didn't know what paid marketing was. And we learned about it. And then we started doing this thing called co-registration, which it would typically only scammy marketer type of people would do that. Right. Like people selling like sex pills and shit. And we were like, well, that's interesting. Like in theory, let's actually figure out what it means in a non-scammy way. And so we like... Well, ex- explain it. So, so you, you go to a site. So for example... Um, you go to, uh, I'll try to find a real life example. Go to, if you go to bold.org, yeah. it's a website where you can apply, uh, you can enter in your information and it automatically applies you to tons and tons of different scholarships. Right. Um, and what it says was great. If you want, uh, somehow they have a point system where it's like, it's free to use, but you have to uh, sign up for like these newsletters in order to be able to, um, in order to be able to apply to even more scholarships. And so we would pay bold.org some money. I don't remember the money, $1, let's say, for every college kid who entered their email and sent them to the hustle. And then they would go and subscribe to more stuff, uh, more scholarships. And so that's what co-reg is. So you're registering for one thing, but then you are asked to register for another thing in exchange for some type of perk. Typically, that that's an internet marketing hack that's done with scammy stuff, really scammy people. But we went to Product Hunt and we were like, hey, have you guys thought about doing Co-Reg? And they're like, yeah, we're working on it. We're like, well, that would be great. We would be your right. first customer. And so that's how we started growing really quickly. Or we were already growing quickly. But once you, you know, we were adding like, yeah. we were adding like 5,000 well, people well, a day. We have to reinvent at every, every stage, right? At the beginning, yeah. you do friends, friends and family. Then you do your own social media. Then you do uh, posts that are really good content that's going to go viral. That's going to get you now to the, to the next level of organic. Then you start layering on some paid. Then you have to diversify your page because not one source is going to work as well as the others, and they, you know, they don't all scale, right? And when you're adding a hundred thousand people a month, you have like fifty percent or some amount is still organic, but then that's still like eighty thousand customers that you need to sign up. So some will be Facebook, some of this, some of that, some Coreg. And so Coreg worked really well. The problem with it is that it's a very low intent reader. So totally. like the scholarship person isn't like the highest is like, hey Sean, sign up for Milk Road. It's awesome. That's high intent. Uh, less and less high, but still high is like, oh, I saw this ad on Facebook saying there's this newsletter. That sounds cool. I'm interested. The lowest intent is 
I'm trying to buy a, uh, I'm trying to get a coupon for Target, right. but I have to get enter in the, I, I have I to get my, my email. email yeah. yeah, in order, that's the lowest intent. Or I'm trying to win this free prize and I get more entries if I just sign up for this fucking newsletter, whatever, I'll sign up for right. it. That's the lowest intent. Now I talked, but that, but the, but the thing is, is that you grow quickly. So for a quarter, you can get an email subscriber, but for every 10 email subscribers, only one will actually be of high quality. And so the problem is, is you get addicted to this. And so I was talking to all these other newsletter guys and they're like, I got to a hundred thousand in like six months. I'm like, Oh, sick. How they go, Oh, this thing called co-reg. And I'm like, Oh, you're fucked. This yeah, is a horrible fucked, exactly. newsletter. You're fucked. This is a, your business is, is dog and by shit. The way, th- th- there's, there's other versions of this. So Substack has a thing where you subscribe to someone's Substack. And then they're like, here's five other Substacks you might like auto checked. And you just, you're just trying to hit continue. And now you're subscribed to five newsletters and you see people whose curve on Substack looks flat. It's not like, you know, normal growth, normal, good growth, normal, good growth. And then like hockey stick. It's like, yes, I crossed 300,000, 500,000 subscribers. And it's like, yeah, but these aren't people who actually want to read your thing. And then the other thing is that they think the open rate is high, but open rates nowadays, because of the way that they've changed with Apple, Apple and cookie stuff works. It's it's not reliable. So, for example, yeah, when we started, forty percent was good. When we started, forty percent was good. That was considered the best. And then fifty percent, we would get fifty percent, and we we're like, we're the greatest there is. Now everyone is fifty percent, right? And because it's because they're not actually fifty percent. It's because open rates cannot be measured the same way they used to be able to be measured, where it was more more reliable. Now you have to use click through rate or whatever. Uh, like, are people actually clicking your your ads, your content, that sort of thing? And so uh, this guy that I was, ta- I was talking about for the Milk Road, he was the one who was like, oh, yeah, co-reg, we should do this. And we were like, okay, let's try it. Let's see how it goes. And we tried it. Sure enough, sure enough, you get you get good growth out of it. but And you get addicted to it. But it's the quality. So, so after we sold, we were like, hey, let's, let, you know, like some point we were like, okay, let's look at all these sources. We're getting this organic. We're getting this from here, this from here. We did an analysis. And we were like, all right, let's test this co-reg thing. Like, open rates look good. Let's just, uh, let's, how do we figure out if these are high quality or not? It's like, I don't know. Open rates are good. The cost is good. Should be fine, right? We sent him an email. We said, uh, hey, just wanted to blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, if, if you read the Milk Road and you like it, like, just respond with like, whatever. Hello. You know, just, tell me uh, where you're like, hey, you're a subscriber whatever. to the Milk Road. Where do you live? Yeah, exactly. We, we want to know where you live. If somebody actually reads your daily newsletter 50% of the time, they're so excited to get an email from the founder that says, you know, hey, I'm just reaching out to say whatever they'll give a very high reply rate. Guess how many replies we got? I have no idea. I think we literally got three replies. Out of how many cents? There was maybe like, I don't know, I want to say like 20,000 or something like that. Like 20,000 like, and three replied? It was it was like a big number. Yeah, uh, I don't know the exact, but like I know that the reply number was something like three replies that day. Maybe more trickled in, but like doesn't matter. That day, three people replied and we were like, oh, cut this off immediately. Um, and that same guy goes and he peddles that to all the other newsletters. It's like, yeah, this is what the hustle did. This is what Milk Road did, does. It's like it, we did with a small percentage of what we were doing. And as soon as we were able to test it, we were like, oh, screw this. Why, why would we want a subscriber number? Like, it's unless stupid. you're trying to dupe somebody, you don't want a subscriber number that's not real, right? Like, real subscribers is the only way to build a real business. And, uh, you know, I talked to the Morning Brew guys, and I think they're they're also very, like, they, I think, just straight measure on, like, what does this lead to in terms of clicks on our ads? Yeah. Like, uh, or like conversions even, you know, from there. how many people buy our advertising? How many people end up buying something, right? Like if you, because if I'm, if I'm getting you as a customer, that's the right way to do it, right? That's the, the sustainable way to do it. Uh, but I don't think people, you know, kids these days, they're, they're doing it differently than, than back in our day, one, one year ago. Yeah. I remember way back then, six months ago. No, that, that's how they have to do it. And they also, um, 
another thing is I talked to another guy and I was like, well, of your list, how many, if you said that you're hosting an AI event that was free, uh, how many people are going to show up? He's like, oh, we'd sell out immediately. I'm like, great. Then you're doing that. That sounds like you're doing it correctly. And then I talked to another guy. I'm like, well, how many people would show up to this event? And they're like, well, no one. I'm like, well, well, then this this business sucks. Like they're yeah. they're not they're not real. Uh, you should bail and quit uh, or start over. Uh, but yeah, the, the courage thing is mostly nonsense. It doesn't always have to be. Or you could. Uh, it's kind of a pain in the ass if you make money through advertising. It's like you need to hit a top line number, and that's why I hate advertising is because there's very there's inverse incentives. incentives so yeah. like not everyone's aligned for the same thing, and so I think that's why I fucking hate advertising. Uh, it, it could be done well. But when you have like a team to support and you want Katie to hit her quota and get paid, I'm like, oh, fuck, you got to like right, make right, sacrifices. Right. And I hate that. But anyway, I wanted to bring up this ad because we were talking about copywriting. On Friday, I uh, interviewed Laird Hamilton. How did it go? So it went really bad. Uh, it went very bad. <laughs> <laughs> Not what I expected you to say. <laughs> it went bad. Uh, the like reason what? It, well... He's not a business guy for one, but I'm like a fitness. I'm into fitness and stuff, but I wanted to ask him all the fitness stuff. But I was like, I don't I watched so many hours of him leading up to it. And I was like, I don't want to just ask the same questions. Like, I just watched right. so much of your stuff that all the questions that I thought I was going to have, you've already I answered them. Answer. Yeah, yeah, you've answered it. <laughs> and so there was like that, that there. But also, dude, I just think it's a bummer to meet your heroes because he's amazing. But I just want him to be this like idea rather than this reality. Do you know what right. I mean? I like I like him. <laughs> so like I remember like, I, I just I've been very lucky to meet a bunch of my heroes. And once you meet them, they're a little bit less of a, he a hero. And I think I just prefer them being a hero. Uh, yeah. Not to say that he didn't live up to my expectations. He did. It was just that uh, I don't want to be even remotely a peer of his. I want him to be like, you know, right. My my great grandpa, who I've read, heard stories about. <laughs> if you're a fan of this podcast, if you consider me a Sam, you know somebody that you look up to in any way, prepare to be disappointed. All right, we're just very <laughs> average people. <laughs> when you meet us, we will destroy. We will ruin this podcast for you. But I was super self conscious about it. So if you guys hear the pod, let me know, like in the YouTube comments, what you think. But it was it was only okay. I think it was maybe it was only okay for me as because I was in interviewing him, but I just learned so much about him. And I'm like, oh, I already know everything. There's nothing new to know about you. Or Dude, you I'm just not unique gears. enough to ask a question. You should have shifted gears and gone Bobby Altoff on him. What's that? Oh, uh, like that girl. The, awkward uh, interview girl. And just act like you don't care. She has shot up. So basically, I saw her on TikTok. And I, the thing about TikTok and Instagram is you don't know who else knows what you're watching, right? Uh, like it's hard. Like there's no like chart or there's no like greatest hits. And so I was just like, who is this random chick popping up, uh, is interviewing these uh, these guys when she's like in her bed, like, interviewing and, like Drake, like not just like. But then guy. I saw Drake and I'm like, what the hell? What is going on with this? How is this like just this? 21 year old woman who's like rude to her guest talking to drake and then on the podcast charts i think she was number one for a few days yeah she's been in the top five she went from i've never heard of this person and she didn't have a podcast to a top five podcast in like two weeks so we're doing something wrong a it, it, well yeah for sure she has this ad for seat geek seat geek advertised on her podcast with drake and she was like so today's sponsor is seat geek <laughs> Which makes sense because Drake apparently hosts events. 
And I think SeatGeek lets you buy tickets for events. So if you like events and drag, yeah, and she goes, and they give you $20. Cool. <laughs> like that's her ad so no no the, the call to action was the best she said something like uh she was like so go um you can use SeatGeek if you want i guess <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's so funny she, it, she's pretty good i don't want to listen to 60 minutes of that interview but I, like the, the she's interviewing good. drake so she's interviewing drake which is like i think her the first podcast that came out and she's like in the middle of it she's like I don't, I don't know any other questions. Do you, do you have have any other questions? And he's like, uh, not really. Like, (laughs) (laughs) weren't they in bed under the covers during the interview? Yeah, they're in a bed, which is, I mean, she's a genius clearly. So she's a genius. So I think her story is she was like a mom. She was like a mommy TikToker, but I don't really understand how she went from mommy TikToker to podcaster interviewing drake with like a really clear brand that's amazing like a very distinct style that's amazing because if you watch her tiktoks she doesn't talk like that yeah it's just a character she's or or she doesn't i mean it's not like i don't think her tiktok is mainly like that like i'm gonna pull one up right now but like no uh, some of it was is like normal or her joking around with her friends but no it's 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 like stephen colbert but instead of this conservative guy it's the i don't give a shit type of person yeah. so she uh i watched like an hour straight of one of these podcasts i rarely listen to like if you tell me hey there's a new podcast like i need 10 people to recommend a podcast before i go try it you know what i mean like it's not like an easy ask but um yeah i got hooked on her shit really quickly and watched a hour-long awkward interview with her and mark cuban and her with Rick Glassman. I don't know if you saw this, but she did one with Rick Glassman and it didn't seem like he was in on the joke. Who's Rick like, Glassman? I think he was actually the first one that she recorded. Rick Glassman's a comedian. He's really, Oh, got really it. Funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He might have been in on the joke because he's like a very talented guy. Like he could he could find that line where it looks like he's not in on the joke, but he is. Um, but she was just like, uh, I mean, she's just awkwardly interviewing him and he at some point he's just like, what is like what is this why are you doing this and then she's like why am i doing what I'm, I'm interviewing you and he's like no but you're he's like you're saying that you're interviewing me but everything i say you just say is a lie why would i lie why would i come to your podcast and lie and she's like i don't know why are you lying and then he's like I, he's like i'm not lying is this your bit is this what you do and he's like he just can't figure it out and he's, well, like, the he's weird like i'm sorry part- i was frustrated and defensive because i Felt like you were trolling me or something. I didn't understand what was happening. I still don't really understand what's happening, but I'm going to do better to try to answer your questions. And then she's like, thank you. You were being mean. And he's like, I wasn't being mean. I was reacting. <laughs> just I want to so know what happens before and after the interview. Because after, like, so you and I have done some stuff in person with people. And, like, you're really cool and friendly enough to people. But I don't know what you do afterwards. Like, particularly with, like, a Tucker Carlson interview where he's, like, getting right. mean with people. And, like, do you shake hands afterwards and say, thanks for coming? Uh, you know what I mean, or, or does like th- does it en- does it? That was end? terrible. Thank you. That was that. <laughs> yeah, like oh, we dislike each other strongly. Yeah, so I'm curious to see what like the perform where she's like and scene, and does she like be friendly and like give him a hug? I I I don't. I would like to see what that before and after is like. 
Yeah, I I don't know. She's a mystery to me. Somebody explain this to me. I, I I just don't understand who she is, how she landed such big guests, why she immediately is so popular. I mean, like I get her brand, but like, how did she even break out? That's kind of what I don't get. Um, but whatever, Bobby Altov, good good for you, Bobby Altov. Twenty five years old, I think. 20, 25, 26 years old, and uh, like clearly going to be one of the most famous podcasters already. Yeah, fuck us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the third time that's happened, or the second time it's ha- it happened with the Caller Daddy woman, uh, where like it was like episode two, she shot up there. Th- that's pretty rare. I mean, it's more common with YouTube, with podcasts that, that doesn't happen often at all. Uh, right. Now someone's going to do that obnoxious tweet where it's like, everybody thinks Bobby Altoff is an overnight success. Here's how it was 10 years in the making. And then it's just going to be like, you know, some st- stupid origin story that like really wasn't like she actually is kind of an overnight success. It's okay. Yeah. It's which okay. is cool. I like there should those. be some, right? There should be some <laughs> people talk about like they don't exist. I'm like, well, Instagram was only two years old. I mean, right. like those are real, like it, it, it's real. Um, which, which, which one of these things you want to go to? Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. It is a podcast that we want you to check out. It's called D2C Pod. It's hosted by Ramon Berrios and Blaine Bolas. It is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. And this is a podcast about all things direct-to-consumer, D2C. It's e-commerce stores. It's how you optimize your brand. And they're talking with founders, marketers, and the platform creators about all kinds of things that you need to know for D2C. You know, website conversion, paid ads, Facebook ads, consumer trends, email marketing, If you want to know the stories behind your favorite brands, this podcast is for you. They did an episode recently about scaling creator growth and influencer incentives. I thought it's pretty cool. So check it out. Listen to DTC Pod wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Um, Dating. So you and I both happily married off the dating market, but shit's getting crazy in the dating world. I don't know if you've seen these two things I'm going to tell you about. The first one is called Chaos Singles Party. Have you ever heard of this? No. Do you download the dating apps now just to like check it out and see what it's about? If my wife asks, it's just just for science. No, no, of course, no. I bought all these, but I read the. This is in the New York Times, so um, I heard I read this story in the New York Times, and I was like, "What? This sounds fascinating." So here's the story. This woman, Cassidy Davis, is on the dating app. She's just a normal person, um, and it's Valentine's Day, 2022. So last year, Valentine's Day. She's frustrated. She doesn't doesn't have anything to do on Valentine's. So she just basically she's like, hey, here's what we should do. We should throw like a singles party on Valentine's Day. So if you're single on Valentine's Day, come to this. She tells every one of her girlfriends who's also struggling with online dating. Hey, match with someone on Tinder and then invite them to this party. Invite them to a house party. And they're like, what? And she's like, yeah, just match with one person. Invite them as your plus one to this house party. But everybody's going to do it. So it'll be just a bunch of single people at this party. And she's like, all right. So they they try to do it. She, at the last minute, is like, I don't know if anyone's going to come. So she invites 65 guys from Tinder to be like, come. And they're like, what is happening? Is this real? Are you like catfishing me? She's like, dude, just either come or don't come. All right, that's it. <laughs> and so she has this house party. And you can see the video on her on her TikTok. But it's like a very... Which city? Uh, I'm not sure where this one was. But it's a small... It was like a small thing. It looked like maybe there was like 20 people there. But they were kind of having fun. So it was like a bunch of single young people playing like drinking games, whatever. She records, a t- she makes a TikTok out of it, stitches it together, like just the highlights of the party, basically, posts it on TikTok and says what she did. She goes, she's like, I did the most chaotic thing possible for Valentine's Day. I invited, I told all my girlfriends to match with someone on Tinder and invite them to my house for this house party. 
And it was awesome. And then people, that thing explodes. That video gets like, whatever, tons of views. And the concept, people really like this concept. And so she's like, I'm going to do another one. So she posts an update. She's like, I'm going to do another one in two or three weeks. Puts a link up for the Chaos Singles Party. Same rules. Is it free? Um, I think it might have been free. Uh, maybe there's a cover charge. I'm not sure. 500 people show up to that one. And since wow. then, for the last year and a half of this woman's life, she's just been going on the road, traveling city to city. She partnered up with Tinder. They like promote this thing now. In the app, they'll even promote her, her parties. Um, and she gets paid to basically host these things. And now 200, 300 people a night come to these singles parties. Same rules. Match with one. That's your plus one. Come to this event. You can mix and mingle. You can you can stick with the person you invited or or just whatever. It's all just people on Tinder who want to like have this chaos singles party. I love this idea. This is awesome. I'm looking at her TikTok now. So well done by her. And now these things are like big. Like they're they're partnering with like legit venues. It like looks like a lot of fun. It looks like a whole whole scene now. This is awesome. I'm looking at her TikTok. This woman's talented. Did I tell you about the or did you ever see the Twitter things that I used to do for dating sometimes? Yeah, those were great. It was basically they were like great. my friend, right? It was basically like it was Thanksgiving and uh, we were having friends over and some of them were single. And I'm like, they were like, hey, can you post me on your Twitter? I want. Uh, they asked I, or you said it because that's it a crazy was, ask. One of the people made a joke. They're like, dude, just post me on your Twitter. I need to meet a guy. Or some of them, it was like one of Sarah's friends was like, I need to meet a, a nice a nice guy who's successful. Can you like introduce me? I was like, I'm just going to post you on Twitter. And then I was like, well, I don't want to make you the only person. Like I'm your pimp. So I'm going to get 10 friends. And the Twitter right. said, the tweet said, um, um, hope you're hungry on Thanksgiving day. Uh, you know, like here's 10 people, 10, 10 of my buds. Who, <laughs> yeah. I was like, hope you're hungry. Meet my friend Jessica. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> here's 10, here's 10 of my friends who are single. And I said like a little bit about what they do for work. And just, I just went on their Instagram picture, and took a yeah. picture and, um, it got viewed like 2 million times. And I got DM'd by a lot of brands like, Hey, you want to make this a thing? We'll sponsor it. I was like, no, that's not going to be my thing. I don't want that. No, I was just fucking around. And I think that that could potentially work. Like we actually turn it into like a, uh, a like where it's like uh, an affluent crowd dating app or something like that. I think I, I did it with Jonathan and Jonathan actually met a girl who <laughs> he went out with, I think a, like a handful of times. Like, so it, for Jonathan, I think it was Jonathan, successful. Is this true? What, what happened after you got posted on this thing? Well, one of the girls who applied, uh, shout out to Connor Ann, she came to the uh, South by meetup that we did. So I got to meet her there, hung out a little bit. Um, but in terms of like my DMs, like I got hit up by a gay dude and this nice Indian woman who I um, decided not to reply <laughs> so, to. Super successful. <laughs> yeah. But for her and for, for the women, I'm sure it crushed. Are you still seeing that girl? <laughs> Connor, or are you guys just buddies now? Um, nah, not really. She lives in florida so but it kind of worked yeah <laughs> <laughs> we're grasping for straws here. <laughs> i mean pretty successful sounds like <laughs> these gorilla things i love by the way i love these like gorilla gorilla dating, dating. yes so here's another one date me docs have you have you heard about this trend so it's date me dot directory is that the URL? Well, that's the that's the directory of them but date me docs is like basically you take instead of going on a dating app you create a Google Doc and you just write in long form all about you, your story, what you want, who you are, what you're into, what you're not into, where your boundaries are, all that stuff. You just make a very detailed Google Doc. 
and that's your profile. And then somebody created the directory that links all the people like a, it's like an air table table. So it'd be like, you know, here's, you know, um, Christina, she's a female, she's interested in men. She's age 42. And it's, it's just literally an air table. And, um, dude, they're and all poly. See, they, they put mono and poly. They're like, it looks like almost half of them are poly. Does yeah. that mean they want to have an open relationship or they're not serious? Kids these days. No, I think it's like, oh, I think they want to like be dating a bunch of people at once or something. I think that's poly. it's like half of them are poly. That's wild to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I think, um, you know, that's, that's something that's changed. I think since we were like, when I was <laughs> dating ten, 10 years ago, I never met anybody who was like, you know, I'm polyamorous. That's, no, it was like, you see on a TV a show that came up. It's like, it was like, yeah, the only people who did that are like are like um it's like a guy who's got like ten wives and it's on the TLC channel. Yeah, it comes on after John and Kate plus eight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is uh I think that's new. So anyways, the these docs, if you look at these, click click into some of these docs. They put photos and stuff in like a huge bio. This is wild. <laughs> I clicked this one. Uh that's by Misha. It's the fourth one down. So Misha is a male and it takes to to a website that there's just like these like torches like you're entering a dungeon <laughs> probably not the vibe misha that you want but here we go and then the title is just romance hi i'm currently single looking for a primary partner hot that's hot how you said that primary partner I like that um only been in oath relationships just bought a house blah 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 um and then it's like here's a bunch of my favorite blog posts here's some of my first dates you can chat with me on discord here's my spotify Here's some pictures of me, a uh, bunch of pictures, boom, boom, boom. All right. So that's, that's Misha. But like one of the things I noticed, I clicked through a bunch of these is how intellectual all of these are. So they will be like, you know, things you don't normally put on a dating profile. It'd be like, like, here's one. I'm on this woman's uh, page, uh, Shrita. She, she says, um, I'm not ideologically monogamous, meaning I don't think monogamy is innately superior to polyamory. I hold romantic feelings for more than one person at once, but also struggle with jealousy, blah, blah, blah. It's like very, it's like, is this therapy? What is this? This is like a whole like open book style of letting somebody into your brain, which I can definitely see working for some people. And I can see it totally not working for a type, for the type of person who they don't want out. So I actually think this is a really great idea because I think it attracts in a lot of the same type of person, the kind of like a little bit overly intellectual, very open-minded type of crowd that would be attracted, you know, it's kind of tech, tech focused uh, crowd here. Oh my gosh. This is wild. Sam's just smiling. Sam, Sam yeah. was just literally, he's looking at his screen and he's just smirking. <laughs> I'm looking at a lot of this. Uh, it's, there's one guy, he's got a 15 page user manual. And he like documents his whole life to explain how to like, and he talks about like ethical stuff. He's like, the correct answer to the trolley problem is to kill one person to save five. Like he, like <laughs> there is a correct answer. <laughs> like this is wild. And on some regard, I'm like, well, if you're like a single woman who's like 30 and you're like, look, I just need to meet like a competent man who's like thoughtful. I guess this is the way to go. Unfortunately, these aren't the type of guys that typically like can woo a woman. I'm on a dock right now, and it just there's a whole sub subsection called child rearing plans. <laughs> then it's seven paragraphs of their plans for child rearing. This is pre first date, which is kind of amazing. 
so have you heard of um this reminds me of two things one if you uh there's this guy named christian uh rudder i think his name is he founded okcupid he was one of the three or four co-founders and he had a blog on all the data that okcupid had and so and then eventually turned it into a book and the thing was basically like you say one thing but your actions on our dating app say another thing like you say you want x y and z and i think one of the big takeaways was you say you want this this and this you really just go after people's photos. So like you say you don't want to you, you say you don't right. want a smoker, but if they're hot enough, you'll you'll go with a smoker. Right. You say you don't want an animal lover, but if they like fit your like your physical wants, you're going to you're going to want to be with them. And like that always intrigued me and that's why I don't think some of these like long form things will actually work. I think they want it to work, but it won't. The other thing is, have you heard about The League? Do you remember the dating app The League? Yeah, she came on the pod once. Long yeah, ago. her name is Amanda Bradford. She's uh, a buddy of mine. She sold the league. You know they sold the league? I didn't know they sold it. So they sold sale? it. Yes, I believe it was a very good sale. They sold it to Match. I think Match.com or one of the big ones. And I asked why they bought it. And she was like, well, basically, we only had like five or 10 employees or something at the league. It was a really small team. But the league originally... I don't know if it started out as the phrase Ivy League, but it was basically like high-end to meet a high-end partner and you had to like apply and stuff like that. And she was like, one day I just said, I went to, she's a developer. Um, and she goes, I logged into like our, our app store account. And I was like, we're charging 20 bucks a month right now. How high does the app store let me charge? Like what's the highest amount for subscription revenue? And I think, I think it was like $99 a week. She's like, that's the highest. I go, fuck it. That's what we're going to do. We're just going to do $99 a week. (laughs) And she was like, everyone at my company and everyone outside says it's not going to work. She's like, it crushed it. We Our revenue went up like crazy. And one of the biggest reasons why Match bought us is they're like, we need to figure out how to sell products that are hundreds of dollars a month. And no one knows how. And she's like, oh, I'll teach you how. All you do is you go to your the app store and you just delete the number that you put in and you just put the higher number. And guess what? People are still going to do it. And that was like her thing was that it was a really, really expensive dating app and it totally worked uh for for higher end people and so i still think that could be cool what what you and i didn't have when we were younger when we were dating we probably wouldn't have qualified then and we are and unfortunately we're not uh we can't use it now but basically have you heard of raya yeah it's like a celebrity it's like you gotta be hot and famous to be in or something like that yeah i think they just look at your instagram like if you're verified on instagram you're allowed to do it so Raya is like everyone who's single is like Great saying idea. like, oh, of course, we know all about it. But Raya is cool. But I like these uh, like exclusive dating apps and these expensive ones. I think it's way better. Totally. I've got friends that run uh, Tinder competitors and it sounds like a horrible business. It's one of the very few right. businesses where you can't be like number three or number four. Like there's basically number one and number two. And that's it. At least that's what it appears like if you're going for mass market. Right. What's the quote? It's like, you know, I don't want to be a part of any club that will have me as a member. That's that's sort of what you want when it comes to dating or cool things um you know (laughs) this date me docs thing i think is a really fun idea i'm glad uh whoever i don't know who created this but kind of kind of like a cool 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 idea and obviously like things like this have been around for for a long time right like indian people famously like this is how my parents got married for example you write in the newspaper like your your they call it bio data it's like your your name your age your job your whatever and you just create this profile that's like text only and people are like cool married let's do it and um you know that that's basically how things how things work so you know stuff like this actually can work 
the funny thing is, um, this is actually, you know what I'm going to actually do? I'm actually just going to recruit on here. I think this is a great recruiting platform. I think these people are probably all really smart, thoughtful individuals who are tech savvy. A lot of developers on here. They put like, their GitHub profile. Yeah, fucking LinkedIn. I'm just, I'm <laughs> scraping this for leads for, to hire from. This is amazing. Uh, uh, dude, this one guy on here says 16 years old. That's a trap, Jack. I'm not clicking that. You, you think I'm clicking that? I've seen way too many episodes of Chris Hansen. I'm not clicking that. I know where that's straight to the FBI yeah. website, bro. Yeah. The next phrase you hear is, uh, come on in, Check have a seat. Check yourself in. <laughs> <laughs> prison. Yeah. Dude, my first, one of my first internet companies was called Bunk. And the premise was we would put these ads. We would, uh, we would put these ads. So close uh, to the next Airbnb. Well, <laughs> it should have been Airbnb and it should have been just Tinder for Tinder. But it basically, the way it started was we would go and find online three and four bedroom apartments. And we would like, if it was a four bedroom apartment for four grand, we would say, we have one bedroom available for $1,000. And we would get 500 people to apply. And then we would host a party and team up people to get that place as well as a bunch of other places. Because we we're like, oh, you guys are all looking for similar budgets, apparently. So just like come and team up and get your own apartment. And uh, it worked. It worked quite well. And then a bunch of the people at the party started like hooking up with each other. And we didn't catch the clue that we should have just made this a dating thing. Right. That's, and then we launched this app. We called it Roommates. And it was basically Tinder for roommates. And again, we didn't catch the clue that people like I actually met a girl, two different girls on that app uh, that I ended up dating in 2013 or 14. And again, we didn't catch the clue. We should have just done this for dating. It would have worked a lot better. <laughs> Yeah, the dating game is changing. You know, one thing that dating is always going to be a problem, like it will never not be a, a pain point for people like no, And there's no such thing as sort of like solving dating. And anytime one thing gets popular, it creates the need for another. So like, you know, Tinder created the need for something like Hinge. And now when you have sort of like Tinder, Tinder and Hinge generation, I talk to people who are dating now and they're like, oh, you know what? The two worst things about those like about Tinder and Hinge is like, you get either on Tinder, you just get bots. Like basically it's just gr girls trying to get you to like subscribe to their OnlyFans. Like, oh, this really hot girl matched with me and she's interested in me. She tells me to just click this link and then like follow that. Oh man, this is just an upsell. Like there's a bot just upselling me basically. The other one is people that um uh like because like we, we were joking about the poly thing, but like people have a lot of different, like, I don't know, preferences and kind of different situations. There's like a lot more configurations than like I'm a boy who likes girls. I'm a boy who likes boys. Right. Like that was kind yeah. of what we knew yeah. was like, you know, we were checkers, not chess when it came to dating. Right. There was only so many moves you could make. You could move forward and backwards. That was it. And so you're, you're red or black. That's, that's the game. Yeah. Now it's like, you know, multicolored chess. And so the, the, the way that uh, my friend was telling me, he's like, Oh, there's this one app. I think it was called field or something like that. I, maybe I got that wrong, but I think it's called field. And he's like, I like it because people just super straight up. It's like the culture on that app is you got to be ultra direct. It's like, I am looking for, and you say the exact thing you're looking for and what you're into and what you're not into. So that like people know, like they're not going to get meet somebody. Oh, this person's really cool, but they want a completely different type of relationship configuration, gender configuration that I'm into. And so, um, so I think, you know, there's a, there's always a new need. You know how when you and I do meetups and every once in a while a line will form to like say hi. It's like, hey, how are you? Uh, I was joking with my friend and she's like, you know, that's what it feels like to be a hot chick all the time. 
like <laughs> like you know like when you and i will have like an mfm meetup and we walk in and you'll see like oh people like are staring at us like this guy's giving me energy like he wants to like me to open i'll turn my hips a little bit and let him like <laughs> and give him like the the you know like i'll open my uh, hips <laughs> that's what it is it's like wherever you point your junk it's like you'll be at a thing and you're like one-on-one with this other guy but you feel this it's all dudes and you feel this you other feel this energy you feel this other guy hovering you're like all right i'll turn my hips a little so this guy could get in on the combo and uh, that's basically what it feels like to be like a, a six out of 10 woman, like all the time, or maybe even lower, like just to be a woman all the time. It just, you just, whatever you want, it's yours. Dude, just last thing on this. Do you remember like when I was in college, the the game was like, you would go to a bar or a club or whatever. And literally it was l- like a physical version of Tinder. It was like, you just go, you, the, the guys just go behind a girl and just grind. And if the girl... Ugh. Like accepts the grind, <laughs> then then you're you're in. If they don't, it's like National Geographic. Like, it's like National Geographic, man. <laughs> you're like a like, bird flexing its feathers. The craziest. That's the craziest thing that used to be normal. I don't know if that's still normal. That's the craziest thing that like I experienced in my life. Did you do that? that I like never did that. That was thing. so uncomfortable. <laughs> Dude, that was all anybody around me even knew. Like that just was get rug burn on your junk. Thing. Oh, yeah. no, not a chance. I was too uncomfortable for that. You had a question on here that I actually was thinking about the other day. You have a question on here. And I, I, I originally thought I wrote this, but I guess you did where it's what's an example of things today that our grandkids in 50 years will think is absolutely insane. I've been thinking about this because t- on TikTok and Instagram, the kids grinding now, is my example. Grinding at the club is my first example. <laughs> I don't know if they do that anymore or not. But I, it didn't maybe, even take 50 years. It took me 15 and I already realized that was batshit crazy then. Well, you'll see these videos and they'll be of high school. Uh, so like the kids now will be like, check this out. This is a home video of the class of 2008 in high school. And you like see them walking around and like you see like the the, the stuff that we used to wear and you see like right. our razor and flip now, phones. Yeah. And then like the kids reminisce, like, I can't believe they did this or that was so much better. or This was so much worse. You had a cool question on here about what do you think will be crazy? Yeah, I think about this a lot. What are things that 50 years from now, like our grandkids will look at the way we live today and be like, what the hell were you thinking? Right. Like, um, you know, there's past examples. Like if you go way past, it's like slavery. Wow. I can't believe that was just like the way you guys did things or whatever. Right. Like you know, riding horseback. That's crazy. That's how people got around or just like people just dying of like everything, you know, like uh, early on early age. Like that's crazy. That was so risky to have a kid like, you know, one out of what, four or five kids would just die before they even hit 10. Like that's, that's really, really rough. I was reading this Lewis and Clark book and whenever they get sick on the trail, they like give each other pills and they're like, we're just going to give you diarrhea and you're going to shit out the sickness. (laughs) (laughs) They call it a rush pill. They go, we're going to give you these pills and you're gonna get tons of diarrhea and you're gonna be healed. And that was like the right. thing. It was just, we're just gonna make you poop a ton. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We did that with Four Loco. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> it just changes shape. All right. So, so you had, you wrote some on here of more recent history. So you said driving to places without Google Maps. Yeah. I like these are things that we experienced the before and after, right? Like we're at that age where we experienced the paper map era, the asking people for directions era, just knowing how the interstate system of the United States works. Like my dad just kind of knew roughly what you do to Google maps. Dude, I don't even know the highway. I live in Austin. I don't even know the highway, the, the big highway one mile away. I can't even tell you the name of it. Same. I don't even look up when I drive. I'm scared. <laughs> <at the map. laughs> Go by feel. All right. Uh, then you had landlines versus cell, like landlines being the only way to contact someone versus cell phones. We, we both experienced that. 
Um, you wrote unsafe cars. What did you mean by unsafe cars? Dude, my first car was a 1992 Mazda Protégé. And we bought it for, I got it for $900 from my mailman. And when you look at that, <laughs> yeah, but I, I was friends with my mailman. Mail, you're like, I'll take well, it. Well, sometimes uh, we'd have to wear, <laughs> we'd have to wear ties on, uh, we'd have to wear ties to school every once in a while. And if like my dad went to work too early and he wasn't there, my mailman would tie my tie. So like I got to know the mailman a little bit, kind of weird. Bought it from, bought my car from $900. And if you see that car to a new, brand new like Honda Civic, if you ever watch the videos of them running into each other, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. <laughs> like the safety, it, it's pretty wild how dangerous they are. So yeah, I think like these, like uh, when we look at cars, uh, when I look at cars from like the 80s and 90s, it's ridiculous how shitty they are. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, so what are the ones that you think 50 years from now? So you, we got a couple on here. Let's just go back and forth. You do one, I'll do one. The first one is having, and I've said this for a while, but having like a growth on you, having something growing in your body that's going to kill you that you could have figured out had you just gotten some type of scan a year earlier. So I think that's right. going to, we're going to look back and like, dude, so you just had this thing in your body and you didn't even know. Uh, it'll be like, so how, how did you know? It's like, well, if you, if you would feel a lump, then you would just go to the doctor. It's like, feel a lump. Yeah. Like if it was like a golf ball in you, eh, that's new. All right. Let me go get it checked out. That's literally state of the art. <laughs> like I just described state of the art procedure. <laughs> and half the time you're like, yeah, fuck it. It'll go away. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was that burger I ate earlier. Yeah, like floating. <laughs> it'll go away. It's probably a lifoma. It'll go away. And so, yeah, I think that will be a thing. How about yours? Um, okay, uh, easy one. I'll start easy mode. Driving yourself. Like, it's pretty clear self-driving cars are, like, on the horizon. The idea that, like, yeah, back in my day, we used to get a license when we were 16 years old. And then, yeah, I just used to drive. I used to just hold, we used to have a steering wheel in the car. And you just have to look where you're going. And all the other cars were also holding steering wheels, looking where they were going. We tried not to crash. And if you're our on kids, a two-lane road, it's 80 miles an hour the opposite way with yeah. three feet of dif- distance. Yeah, yeah. You just, well, they painted these lines. And you just had to stay in the middle. And you just had to keep awake and stay in the middle. Just keep looking. And they'll be like, what? Like, it, that will sound completely barbaric, right? Like, um, and it's like, did people not crash? Yeah, they sure did. Did they it's die? A leading oh, cause of death. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some people get drunk before they did it. Like it'll sound yeah. just like, what were you guys thinking? And it'll just be like, well, we just didn't have the tech at the time. But like when you have self-driving cars, cars are gonna drive perfectly without you needing there won't even be a steering wheel in the car. Cars will become like entertainment pods. You'll just play video games or you'll sleep or you'll watch movies or you'll work. Like cars will become a whole different thing very soon. And there's a clear before and after. Another one is so different diets. Like we still debate. We're like the Atkins diet. That's a thing. Oh no no no! You want to do the other thing where you got to eat lots of carbs. You know, car whole grains. That's that's what you have to do. And to this day, like we're st- we're like, well, wh- which one do you feel good on? I don't know. Like just do Dude, whatever. I've alternated carnivore and vegan twice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You are a vegan to your. You'll only consume vegans. It's just constantly changed, and like we don't know which one necessarily is better. You know, there's like really good arguments for both, and we aren't sure. And I think that that's pretty insane. That uh, who knows? You know, I don't know. Right. By the way, have you ever? Do you know a lot of doctors? Do you know how many classes they take on nutrition? Typically, it's like yeah. uh, it's like a class. Like they yeah. they don't doctors don't study nutrition, which is pretty insane. 
uh, or at least like your average, like yeah, or exercise. Yeah, your average doctor doesn't exactly is doesn't really know too much about exercise and nutrition. And so I think that that's like something we're going to be like, I don't know, you just kind of like tried a different bunch of different stuff. And like, you'd read, a, read a bunch of blog posts on it and listen to podcasts. And like, you just kind of guessed a little bit, right? I think eating meat, so killing animals to eat their meat, I think will be seen like a genocide like a slavery, I think it will be seen as completely barbaric and immoral 50 years from now when we have the alternative. There will be an alternative, which is basically lab-grown meat or synthetic food that will solve the kind of protein problems and taste, get the taste right um, and the cost right. And at that, when that happens, as that shift happens, we'll just be like, yeah, people just, you just take the thing, you slaughter it, you just kill it, and then you eat it. And they'd be like, you do it yourself? Like, no, 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 gross. I would never do that. They do it, and then they package it, and then we eat it. And they're like, what? Like, didn't you have a dog? It's like, yeah, I would never do that to a dog. It's like, but you would do it to this other animal? It's like, yeah. It's like, how did you guys decide? It's like, well, I guess kind of a <laughs> cuteness? Or, like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't really know how we decided what was completely illegal and immoral and would get you canceled versus like, you eat it two times a day. Like, you know, there's the, the line is very thin between like cow and chicken and dog, right? Like it's not that, it's not that clear why one yes versus the other. No. Um, so I think that eating meat will become, will be seen as a, as basically like our generations, we just committed genocide on am, animals. I have 20 cows at my ranch. You, you knew that, right? That have cows well, out there. They're not yours, right? They're just straight I, or they're yours. They're my neighbor. They're my neighbor owns them, and they are allowed to use my land to graze. graze yeah. uh, and I don't pay taxes because of that, or I pay less taxes. But basically, uh, you, I get to know them. So like, I, I know who they are. Like, I know which ones are which. I know I whose mom is who. And like, this <laughs> fucking sucked. Our first week there, that we bought the place, uh, like a four month year old calf died, or it was. But a four month year old calf is still like six hundred pounds or whatever it was. It was like a six hundred pound baby. And apparently it like swallowed a golf ball. And so my neighbor was like, hey, were you hitting golf balls? I was like, no, dude. I, just, I, I was like, I just I just moved here. I, it wasn't me. I don't know. Um, and like I it saw swallowed you on a, Instagram. Just <laughs> hitting balls at the new, at the new ranch. Yeah. And I was like, dude, it, once you get to know me, you, you'll, you'll we'll understand neither of us are golfer. I'm not a golfer. You know what I mean? And so and then I was like, hey, uh, Jeff, this guy was I was like, what do I go and get like a shovel or something? He goes, oh, no, that son of a bitch is going to be gone in three days. I was like, what do you mean? He goes. You'll see. And so I come back in three days and the whole body and carcass, everything was gone. The all the animals like the birds and hogs, they just ate wow. it. It was completely gone. And the mother would go back to the spot where that calf was and would like mourn. And I was like, my heart wow. was broken. I was like, I don't know if I could eat meat in the same way now. So I felt like devastated. And so since then, I basically I only eat red meat like once a month because the cows like i get to know them and i'm like i feel too sad i can't do it i'm not i'm not i'm not i'm not that manly of a man i can't do it but you 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 think that childbirthing manually is going to be a thing of the past yeah so uh when i was in la we had dinner with a person named jessica ma you know she is yeah she's uh she's very impressive she's super impressive i think she did a company called indonero i don't know her very well she she was at this dinner but she was on the other side table so i didn't get to know her too much but uh she seemed very interesting like indonero was like an accounting company that's still very successful but i think it's so successful now that she just has tons of money and does more stuff yeah it's a big one i think she's she's out of that business now from what what it sounded like um and we were like what do you do and she's like oh i basically invest and incubate like um like hard science 
businesses. And I think she's still only like 29. Yeah. Yeah. It was, she was very, very impressive. We should actually have her on. Sometimes you can just tell that people are playing a different game at a different level. So there's like, same game, different level, different game, same level. And then there's different game, different level. I would put her in different game, different level. Yeah. You can Um, talk to her. She's pretty brilliant. I'm within five minutes. You're like, oh, okay. I think she was, I think her, she started in dinero an accounting software company at 19. I don't know much about her, but she started her, <laughs> I just went to her LinkedIn, by the way, uh, started her first six figure business when she was in middle school. Goddamn. Different game, different level. Again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was, I hadn't even grinded yet at that point. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was grind. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Um, Anyways, so she's she's doing this thing. Um, one of the things we, I, we so we were talking to her, but we were like, "What are some of the like, crazy science things that you're funding?" And then she would say things that were like, her her thing was like novel, like she's trying to fund like a novel approach at like an existing thing. I don't, I don't want to butcher it, but something like that, which basically like a, what she called a bold a bold uh, bold science. So it's like basically like someone taking a new scientific approach at an existing problem. So she'll go to universities and she'll find. Um, research labs where they'll be like, this is the one researcher who's trying to do this thing, but this like completely other way than the general field is going. And she's like, cool, I want to fund that because those bold approaches, when they work, work in a really big way. And um, so one of the things we talked about just somehow in the conversation came up was like, the, uh, like birthing a child is like the natural way or whatever. Like, you know, woman carries baby nine months, goes into labor, delivers baby. Um, you know, dad snips the umbilical cord. Like that's the the process as we know it today. Wait, the, does the dad do it? They they are like, Dad, you want to do it? You got to be ready. Is that for this, what is dude. that what I'm gonna be offered? I'm not doing uh, that. On the in the moment, they're gonna be like, Dad, come do this, and you're gonna be like, What? No, I'm good. I'm I'm holding her hand over here. I'm I'm busy, and they'll be like, No, 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 come, come, do it. And then you're gonna be like, Oh. And then you're going to hold the thing and be like, I don't want to hurt this. Is this going to hurt? What is this? Yuck, this work? I'm not doing that, man. I, I don't even want to. I won't even trim her toenails. I'm not going to touch that. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to touch that thing. You're, did you do it? I did it. Yeah. Oh, Dude, man. The, I don't. The peer pressure of six doctors and your wife who just like did a modern miracle, did a like act of human bravery and courage. And then you're like, ah, I don't feel comfortable doing this. Like, Dude, I am not you, doing you know, that. Wimp of the year. Like, I've already told my wife, it. I think I'm going to pass out. I'm taking a couple <laughs> Xanaxes in, in the room. I, I, this is on. No, that's too much for me, man. I don't know if I can do that. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not one of that guys. I, I'm not that guy. I don't think Dude, I my can brother-in-law, when my sister was uh, give, having, giving, having birth, giving birth, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, she, she, he like yawned at some point. And she just turned and looked at him like, oh, are you tired? <laughs> he was like, no, sorry. It's just been like 70 hours. He's like, no, it's just boring. <laughs> yeah, it is honestly kind of boring. Um, but yeah, anyways, yeah, you better be prepared. You're going to have to do it. Um, so anyway, birthing a child. So she was like, yeah, I think that's going to be seen as like unnecessary, sort of barbaric, um, not like as like, um, scientifically sound as like eventually we'll be able to kind of like almost like incubate the baby um, and just like deliver the baby through like um, essentially a, a machine that the mach- a baby will be sort of like grown and delivered 
that way. And I was. Have like, you what? met someone who's had a surrogate? Yeah, I've met people who have who've had surrogate. Yeah, I have, and they've acknowledged that they don't feel uh, they didn't love the kid the same as the other one. <laughs> really? <laughs> it, like, it, oh, pretty. First of all, did you ask? <laughs> of course, I asked. Of course, is that not the? That's not, that's obviously the first thing you're gonna ask when you hear about. It. So well, there's like a there's like a handful of questions. Personal question. Uh, there's a handful of questions, which is a like obviously how much does that cost? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna run you uh, yeah one of their yeah. mother women yeah where'd you find them uh and then like what did you do like what was the relationship like and then like my fourth question is like did they ever try to hold the baby hostage yeah. <laughs> dude i could so imagine you being the worst possible surrogate because you would micromanage their lifestyle like hey it's my baby in there you better yeah. you better you better get up here on this treadmill but right the, now. the surrogate can basically hold you hostage right because you'll do anything you'll do you're like well yeah whatever you want like i'm i i have to give you what you want because i will do anything for that kid but then the last the fifth question was like all right but like did you love the kid as much as the other ones and the answer was at first no definitely not I definitely didn't. Uh, they got honest with me. And I, so I don't know if I believe that this is going to be a thing. Um, but yeah, I feel like if there's the option, it's kind of like the epidural. Um, like, so I think when we were in the hospital, so my wife's insane and wants to only do natural birth and like feel all the pain for no reason. But she's like, you know, she's like, that's how I get down. I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. we, or so I guess opposites do attract. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I've taken the life version of epidural to avoid yeah, pain. You like, took my the epidural. Life... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I sat down as well. Strap me in. <laughs> Doc, uh, I'll, you got any leftovers? I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to waste that thing. Get over yeah, here. Yeah. yeah, did you already open it up? <laughs> <laughs> so, but the doctor had said 90%, uh, she's like 85 to 90% of the patients in their hospital do the epidural. Because, like, you know, it makes sense. Like, if you can, you know, not feel that level of pain, you, it's it's easy to see why somebody would choose that. So, um, you know, if you just sort of extrapolate from there, you're like, cool, would you like to also not have the nine months of pregnancy, like, going on in your body? Um, if there was that option. Like, you really think people wouldn't take it? I think people would take it. Yeah, I think some people would. But I just don't, I don't know if it's you don't need be... the Look at the Ozempic thing, dude. If you give people the magic pill, the way out, like, people take that shit. Like, like. If you get the cost right, that's a good point. I, I do love people are going to avoid pain, right? They're going to avoid discomfort and pain where they can. I, I order DoorDash three times a day. Like, you think that people aren't going to do this? They're going to yeah, do this. Yeah, you're right. Actually, I love magic pills. Whenever I hear someone who's selling like a magical cure or a magic pill, I'm, I'm in. Probably won't work, but tell me everything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ozempic is a little bit of a magic pill. When I, when I was taking yeah. it, it was quite magical. Did you take it? No, no, I haven't taken it. You should. It's awesome. I guess I'm also kind of crazy in that way where I'm like, well, then it wouldn't be as satisfying. Like, I want to do this on my own. Yeah, yeah. But having abs is pretty sick. So yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> totally agree. Um, um, two or three failed diets away from, from breaking and going on a Zempic. Um, All right, what else we got? I want to tell you about this thing that when people read it, they probably didn't have the same reaction as I did, but I think they should. So. There's this guy, it's called The Greatest Scam Ever Written. And it's about a copywriter who ran this scam. His name was Patrice Runner. And so it started basically in the 90s where he originally saw this ad. Have you ever heard of this book called The Lazy Man's Way to Riches? Yes. 
So I don't remember when that originally came out. I think in the 60s. But The Lazy Man's uh, Way to Riches is a really famous ad. It sold like three or four million copies of this book. And the ad is famous amongst copywriters because it was really successful. And a lot of the copywriting that we use now for the internet, they kind of originated from that ad. And this guy, Patrice Runner, he saw this ad and he was poor. And he was like, I don't want to be poor anymore. It's pretty amazing that this guy just convinced me to buy this book based off of just like, uh, you know, 20 paragraphs of text. That's amazing. I want to learn how to do that. And so he did. And so he starts studying copywriting. And he reads a newspaper about this lady named like Madame Duval. Maria Duval was her name. And basically, there was a story about her and how there was a murder in the Caribbean and how they couldn't find where the body is. And she was a psychic and she led the people to where the body was. And I don't know if that's actually true, if she actually did that, but it was in the newspaper that that happened. And so he contacted her and was like, look, I want to create this psychic company and I want you to be the face and I'm going to give you 5% of profits forever. And you really don't even need to do anything other than like, let me use your face occasionally. And that's it. So she signs up for it. And he starts creating these ads where he would mail people these letters that looked like it was typed out. And it was from Maria Duval. And it would use these amazing like bits of copy. So like the thing would say like, the opening line was, if you've got a special bottle of bubbly that you've been saving for celebrating great news, now's the time, now is the time to open it up. And that would be like the opening line. And it was a nine page letter that he would send to people. And he would say like, you know, send me uh, $40 or $50 and we will like, uh, you, you, you'll have good luck. It was basically like you send money and you get nothing. And then eventually it was like, oh, you sent $40. We're going to keep sending you more letters. And they would send like two letters a day sometimes. So someone would some, oftentimes would re- receive two letters and they would send like an ad for some vitamin that you would need to take. And recipients, basically it said, the recipients were urged to reply and enclose a check or money order for $50 to receive a mysterious uh, bit of power and luck in order to tra- attract money. As, and then also, they would re- after they sent in the money, they would get a document called A Guide to My New Life that included winning lottery numbers. And so this guy did this, and uh, he did it for so well that he was making $20 million a year doing this. And eventually, the thing ran for 10 years, and it made $250 million. And then the government swoops in, and they're like, dude, this is fraud. And so now he's in jail, and he's waiting sentencing but he might get up to life in prison. So like he's looking at like at least like 20 years of prison for this. And he, they were like, why'd you do this? He's like, I was just so attracted to copywriting. And with writing, he told the reporter, this is all from this, uh, an article from, uh, called The Walrus. It was a great article. And they show you like what the ads look like. But we'll talk about that in a second. But he goes, with writing, you could get the attention of someone. And at the end, after just a few minutes, that person sends you a check to get a project uh, to get a product to an address or company that they've never heard of. And when I read stories like this, that should be the takeaway, which is not like this criminal is bad, but how do I use this amazing copywriting stuff actually for good? And if you right. click on the article, you'll see the envelopes would have these amazing things. Like we're on the back of the envelope. It would say something like, um, after you've sealed this envelope, we will be the only one to have ever opened it. And it says, please leave the following blank. And it says, here's the day we received it. Here's the time that we received it. And the recipient, who's supposed to be Maria Duval, would have to check the box in order to like say, like, yep, I've opened it. And they put all these little like 
strange like tactics of getting someone to convince and believe what they were saying. It's incredibly fascinating. So it's called the uh, the the publication they did an article on this guy. It's called the Walrus. It's really good because you should read this and think like copywriting is amazing. This guy was a fraud, obviously, so that's bad. But whatever he did, do that for good shit. And it's awesome. It's a really fascinating article about this guy. But now, yeah, now he's going to get sentenced to like, it looks like 20 years of prison. And you know who else did this? This great copywriter, uh, great copywriter, Gary Halbert. You remember Gary Halbert? So yeah, wh- why did he go to jail? I didn't, I didn't actually know it was tax, tax something. Yeah, tax. And I think tax. And also basically he would sell this product. I think it was called a family uh what is it called a suit of arms what's it called uh, a crest like a family crest so he would sell this product whereas like you mail in like par and then you get mailed back like a crest i don't know if it's like a graphic but he just didn't fulfill the orders he just took the money and like <laughs> bounced it was just like so just, easy to do that too to, to just give him a crest like <laughs> yeah he just took he just the money needed fiverr he was just too early <laughs> yeah and so he went to prison i think for like 10 years and that's where he wrote this really good book where it's like he wrote su- uh, letters to his son on copywriting and that's called the letter from boron i guess boron was the name of the prison that he was in but these copywriters it's really cool how you're able to pull this shit off and you by the way people act like you can't do this anymore because people are smarter that's not true you 100 can still pull off all this but it's very fascinating uh i'm with you i think this is one way that we are very very similar where we both read these things and have the same sort of like uh unexpected reaction which is some blend of like excitement and admiration not for the crime but for the the tools that led to the like you know it's the same it way took I skill love it definitely took Ocean's skill 11 it's like robbing a bank i like i like it i like the i like what goes in to robbing that bank right um it's like you shouldn't like the criminal in this case but you are attracted to the skill to the cleverness to the um the guile that goes into doing something like well, this. every guy who saw Leonardo DiCaprio in Wolf of Wall Street or Catch Me If You Can was like, hey, mom, can I can you give me one of your checks? I want to see if I can actually change the numbers on it. Like everyone like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like everyone who saw that was do the same thing or like everyone looked up like, you know, Stratford Oakmont, Jordan Belfort's thing after the uh, Wolf of Wall Street movie. Yeah. Like everyone's attracted counting cards to it. or whatever. Right. Yeah. Right. They're like, oh, I could counting cards. How does that work? I could do that. You had a great bit of copy that I read on Facebook the other day. You, you, go, <laughs> <laughs> you go, the more shirtless pictures I, I post, the more free protein I'm sent. Some asked me to some asked to pay me to post. I've never done that and I don't intend to. But here's some brands that I use. Blah, blah, blah. You, you go. <laughs> this is the best part. We may be whores in the par household, but we're certainly not. Whores. <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. Where did you get that? that was I so stole good. that from Ari Gold. So uh, Ari Gold, <laughs> that TV show Entourage. So every great copywriter does the same thing. Where you do this too. Yeah, you hear phrases. Fun. You hear phrases, and you store them, and you right. just store them. And so every single person who's good at writing, you have a bank. That you just, we call it a swipe file. But I remember even when I was in sixth grade watching Entourage at Sunday night at 9 <laughs> p.m. on HBO, I remember hearing that. I go, that's mine. I'm stealing that one. <laughs> <laughs> and you just wait for that perfect opportunity to use those lines. Dude, I have my, my, it's literally called, you said, you said phrases. Literally, my sheet is called, my note is called phrases. Um, and I just have so many good ones here. I love it. Because what people don't know is like, 
phrases are really important. So I'm working on this with Hampton, actually, where we're trying to create like our mantra or like with every type of community, it's basically a cult or a sorority where you like, you need like a phrase that summarizes it. You need a crest. You need a crest. I need a crest. <laughs> like I need something. And I've been like tinkering with phrases and it's so important to like nail a phrase. And like, there's so many like really good phrases. Um, like for example, I'm reading this book about Martin Luther King's assassination and he was assassinated uh, while, while basically he was at this protest where garbage workers, black garbage workers, were, uh, were wanted to be treated better. And their phrase was just, I am, and it was underlined, I am a man. And like that, like that one phrase is, let's treat me like a, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a slave anymore. I'm a man. Treat me like a man. And so I just, I just like all these phrases. And I just like, we'll see a phrase. Even though I remember writing that, I am Damn, a man. We are mostly men. I'm looking for more <laughs> <to> <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's too touchy of a subject uh, that's a whole another thing but anyway I love these like beautiful <laughs> phrases I love these beautiful phrases so what, you gotta you collect got them Hampton? Are, you, are you workshopping a couple right now you wanna do a little live workshop so one that has gotten shut down but I love it which is <laughs> CTC confidential confidentiality transparency and commitment so CTC okay. and, and it's just you got so you miss one meeting you're banned uh, we've actually kicked three people out already because we've heard that they've communicated with outsiders of like uh, some confidential information. But CTC is what I'm trying to, which is what I'm trying to get stuck. Make a thing. But yeah. it's, it's not becoming a thing as of late. But okay. yeah. It, what else it, you got? Well, that's it. That, that's the only one that's... <laughs> hard at work over there at Hampton, I see. Dude, it, it's hard. process can't be rushed. As we say. <laughs> it's hard coming up with a phrase. Uh, like, what are these phrases? Okay. It's... What are some ones that you're inspired by? So you said the I am one. What are some other ones that you think are, are well done? Well, this other one is, is they're calling it core, which is like commitment, openness, uh, respect, and uh, one other thing. I don't know what the E stands for, but core. And core is not sticking with me. Right, but I'm, right. I'm, I'm trying to be open-minded. Core's not sticking with me because four things to remember is a lot harder than three. These are more like values then. It's not like your... Uh, it's like it's your, values. Yeah, it's values. It's not yeah. like your, your slogan. So one thing I've been thinking about is no one... Uh, uh, nothing, no one, never. Where I was like, that, nothing, no one, never. Never. Which is like, is this confidential? Nothing, no one, never, dude. Like, yes. Uh, like everything, <laughs> everything. It's nothing, no one, ever, never. You can never talk about what's going on. So I'm right. playing around with nothing, no one, never. I like okay. that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. nice. Uh, that one, but, that one did a little something for uh, me. I like that. Uh, yeah, did it, did, did it get you going? <laughs> it got me going uh, a little bit. <laughs> Uh, what are some other interesting ones? I, I, there's not like that many that are intriguing to me, to be honest, but I'm, I'm trying to figure out like how to do it. It's really hard. Just creating that shift from scratch. It's way harder than it looks. Uh, or I'm just not talented. But like, are there any good ones that you like? You know, the one thing I heard about like on the value side that always stuck with me was um, a value is useless without acknowledging the trade off. So like, you know, most companies when they do their kind of like values, they'll be like respect, honor, integrity. Which is stupid because, like, what's the opposite? It's, it's that, of course, yeah. Like, uh, you said nothing that's of interest. You've acknowledged no like uh, sacrifice in that, you, and it's just generic. And so, it's not memorable. It's not memorable. It's not useful because it's like um, it's just an of course type of statement. Whereas, uh, you know, Facebook did one that that stuck, which was move fast and break things. It's beautiful. And move fast and break things was so good. And the reason why was because it acknowledged the downside of moving fast. That sometimes you're going to break shit. And like they said, yeah, yes, we take that. We will 
we'll err on the side of that. We'll, we will take that trade off. And so um, I think that values are only useful when you acknowledge, when you, when it bake into it, the opinionated trade-off, right? Like that, the fact that, yep, there, there are pros and cons to this. And our opinion is that this is the pro that matters, right? Um, and, and that we're down, we, we will live with this downside because that, because that's what shows you what you value. Like, for example, um, if you're somebody who's really high integrity, you're going to, um, you're going to, let's say there's, you know, an opportunity to take, you're going to not take, you're going to have to sacrifice things that could go your way because you're high integrity. This is like Michelle Obama had one that, that kind of was, yes, it's gotta, it's gotta be like painfully truthful, painfully true. Exactly. So she did the, when they go low, we go high, which is like kind of acknowledges that like you all, they go low, it hurts. You want to hit them back, but no, we go high, right? When they go low, we go high. That's another example of one that's like, I like, I don't know when she said that, but that's like more than five years ago. I still remember that. A lot of people repeated that kind of like to make fun of her, but it was politics. People make fun of everything. But like, I do think there was something in that that was like more real than just like, we stand for respect. It's like, okay, cool. Don't, doesn't mean anything to anybody when you say that. It's, it's like, we're all numb to those sorts of things. Like Subway, eat fresh. And we print grill marks onto our chicken because it's not really grilled. Like, you know, it's like, all right, well, that's what they should really say. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> looks fresh, but it ain't. <laughs> you know, like, we, uh, my high school had a great one that I've always remembered. It was men. For, we were an all boys school and it was men for others. And they just did such a good job of like nailing that into our brains. Just right, you got to right. be a man for others. It was like, that, it, that could be a dating app too. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> you're right. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I remember meant for others. I like that, but it's been really challenging. So I, I guess I got to go find some more phrases. Um, but but uh, yeah, I gotta I gotta I gotta make that better. Do you have any that you use for any of your companies? None of your was what was Milk Roads? Did Milk Road have one? No, but uh, I don't I think you need one at the beginning. By the way. At the beginning, I don't think you need, I, I think you do need certain North stars. Like, you know, sure. when you started the hustle, you were like, um, we call it bull, bullshit free news. Yeah. You were like, this is like your no nonsense or no bullshit. Your, your, your smart friend telling you what happened in a no bullshit way. That was a really good, like North star guiding principle that you could just say, okay, cool. So like we stole a version of that for the built road. Cause what would, what ended up happening? Here's like a tactical way that that started to drift. The top story in all the news news things would have been about like some arbitrary bullshit, like some um, maybe it was like a regulatory thing, or maybe it was like a, like a kind of a boring regulatory thing, or it was like some layer two blockchain on uh, on, on like some layer two protocol on top of some like obscure blockchain did this thing, and we would write about it, and I would read it because at this point I was like the you know I was like the editor, I really never was the writer for Milk Road. Um, but I would read it and I would just call Ben and I'd be like, dude, what, like, are you interested in this? He's like, well, not really, but I mean, it seemed to be like, I mean, it's the top story it's a, by, by other news outlets. I was like, cool. But like, if you weren't into it, like, I was like, here's the test. No would you be, text yeah. me about this? Like, would you text me and tell me about this? And would I be interested? This is already baked into, you wouldn't even text me if you didn't know, if you, you would only text me if you knew I'd be interested. So I was like, let's just use that as the test. Like the litmus test is basically would you text me about this thing that happened? Um, if I was like, yo, what's, what's new in, in crypto right now? Like, if that's not the thing, then don't put it in the newsletter, even if other people are writing about it. 
And when we made that shift, all of the like metrics kind of went up because people just naturally would resonate with that better because um, we had like a guiding principle for what, what goes in and what goes out. And I think that's the other thing that goes, that's really useful is um, it's really easy to talk about what goes in. What's important is to say what goes out. And I do this with like strategy planning documents too. Like if I, like I wrote up a strategy for our e-com business, I think everybody should do something like this, by the way, I wrote it down and I wrote, here's the six bets that we have made this year. We're making this year. And I, I write them down first. So for example, I wrote the things called big bets and I shared this document with everyone. I said, big bet number one was, um, we didn't have anybody in like demand planning or inventory forecasting. I was like, it's pretty stupid that we don't have anybody, anybody doing this because of that. I think we have a ton of waste and we're miss like, sometimes we're way under on products that people want. Sometimes we're way over and it just sits there and just ties up our cash. I think that if we hire somebody who's got experience doing this, we will get 20, 30% improvement on the bottom line, literally just from that one hire. That's bet number one. And then we hire that person. Now we're seeing how it plays out. Bet number two was like, that's smart. Um, let's say like, uh, whatever, without giving too much away, let me say, um, like, uh, part like this, this type of partnership, we're trying to go for this type of partnership, um, with this other big entity. We believe that if we do that, it's going to have this effect. That's the bet we're making. We'll know if it's successful. If X happens, I just wrote that, wrote this down. And so the whole strat company strategy for the year is one page long and it's just six like sentences. It's like, here's the situation. Here's the bet. Here's the situation. Here's the bet. And I just wrote that out. And then with that, at the bottom, I wrote, and here's the bets we are not making that we otherwise reasonably could have. So for example, we're not launching on Amazon because if you're, because even though that would clearly add to the bottom line, but if we're launching on Amazon, that's going to take resources away and see those other six bets. That's going to take all of our attention this year. So we're saying no to that. We're saying no to this other thing. We're saying no to this other thing, all of which were totally reasonable. You could make a case for, but we decided not to do them because we don't want to spread ourselves too thin. And it was actually that not doing section, like the, the first part was useful, but the second part was even more useful. And I think that people should, should highlight those like, you know, it's not focus is not what you say yes to focus is the hundred good ideas you say no to. And so I think when you take that principle and you apply it, that that's where you find the interesting stuff, like whether it's in your company marketing or whatever. What, what, are, you, what are you calling that? An e-commerce playbook? Oh, I, I just like the bets, like big bets, the bets. Is what I call it. Like, what are the big That's bets good. that we're making this year? And we'll see. And I, I wrote it. I also wrote at the top. Like, we don't think that all of these are going to pan out the way we expect. And are wrote, they? Like, are, what are you I, right I wrote, now? I wrote one or two are going to either fail or we won't even execute on because one or two winners will suck up a bunch of our energy. I expect that to happen. I expect the middle four to work. Maybe, you know, plus or minus 20% on how well we think they should work. So like some will slightly underperform our expectations. Some will slightly overperform. One, one or two of the six bets will either fail completely or we won't execute well enough because our attention got sucked away by the other ones. And one or two should have a huge payoff. That's the distribution. If we, if they all just work as expected, we didn't really bet wildly enough, right? It's like kind of like the goals thing that you don't want to hit 100% of your goals. You want to hit maybe like 70% of your goals. That shows that you stretched far enough without overstretching all right we're out of here sam hit him with the line that is the pod yeah i feel like i can rule the world i know i could be what i want to 
I put my all in it like no days off. On the road, let's travel, never looking back. Oh, yeah.